Hey everybody, before we get started today, I've got an announcement of a giveaway that we're doing. Uh, you can win a whole bunch of cool stuff, which we actually got in the studio here recently, uh, from Factory Entertainment, which is a company that does licensed products, uh, like a lot of plushies and uh, prop replicas and things like that. We actually did a mailbag video that's up on our website right now where you can spy a lot of these things, such as Direwolf Cub plush sets. They also have uh, Three-Eyed Raven plush which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, a Drogon plush, which uh, Aaron has on his mic for all you club members. Yeah, it's perched up on my night mic stand. And then they have some really big ticket items they're giving away. They've got a a Red Keep relief sculpture, which is kind of a... Uh, I, I think it would make a great belt buckle. Like if you took that <laughs> yeah. thing and attached it to a belt, like a big-ass belt buckle right on your... Your belt there. Uh, yeah, that'd be if good. You're, if you're a, a geek in Texas, oh, that man. would be freaking sweet. And a pair of, like, dragon skin boots. Perfect. Mm, mm. Uh, they're also giving away a Winterfell desktop sculpture, which we have in that mailbag video. Like a foot and a half wide by, like, eight inches, or long by eight yeah, inches it's wide, and it weighs a ton. Substantial. It would be really awesome on your desk. Uh, the other thing that's substantial is this royal crown of Baratheon and Lannister prop replica that they're uh-huh. giving away. But it's solid. I mean, it's cast in metal. Uh, and then they have some throw pillows with the house sigils that they're giving away and the house words on the back there. Uh, and finally, a George R. R. Martin talking plush. And they recorded a bunch of lines with George, uh, like 10 different ones, I think. So if you want to uh, get your entry in and have a chance to win any of that stuff, you can go to factoryent.baldmove.com. There'll be a form there that you can sign up uh, with. And also, as a special bonus, they've given us a coupon code for 15% off for all of the uh, Bald Move listeners. The coupon code is DROGON. So you go to uh, that same site, factoryent.baldmove.com. It'll take you right out of their website in the uh, Game of Thrones section. And you can uh, get 15% off most of the Game of Thrones stuff. The only exclusions are that crown prop replica and the San Diego Comic-Con 2016 stuff. This podcast contains information, theories, and speculation based on the A Song of Ice and Fire novels by George R.R. Martin. It can and will spoil future episodes of the HBO television series Game of Thrones. This is your one and only spoiler warning. If you're looking for our non-spoiler podcast in Game of Thrones, please look in our feed archives for our Sunday night instant take and Tuesday afternoon full podcasts, or go to baldmove.com for our entire catalog. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast brought to you by Bald Move. This is the spoiler edition. Uh, this is for episode also 508. No one? Not five, six. 608. Yep. Jesus. You're a year behind. And, and a dollar late. <laughs> I think that's how the phrase goes. It is, yeah. Uh, so let's just let's let's get started. Uh, do you do you want to get meta? Do you want to get meta about the spoiler podcast, Jim? Meta? Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I, I was um, bitching and moaning. Uh, with my disappointment over the Arya stuff and the uh, the 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 complete crapping out of the Clegane Bowl and uh, likely crapping out of the Lady Stoneheart and mm-hmm. talk about like you know what's the use and Matt P wrote in and said I agree with your assessment of the spoiler cast by no means do I want to criticize what you do so please don't take it that way because I greatly appreciate and respect what you do, blah 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 but it kind of reminds me of your True Detective season two podcast where every week you guys would beat the material to death I would say that we 
beat it the appropriate amount. Uh, to find all kinds of potential twists and turns and themes, but at the end you're just like, you know what, maybe this show is what it is, which is a simple plot, and we spent hours and hours of speculating on stuff that hasn't even been in the same ballpark. Between Dormed, Iron Islands, and Arya, the show writers have proved their plots are a patchwork and full of holes and not very intriguing, much less full of twists and turns that have to do with the deep materials of the writing of GRRM. I think the best way to approach the spoiler cast is within the realm of the show without too much reference to the books, because the show has moved on... Yep. As its own organism, Jim, what I do you, don't, what do you I think? don't know that I agree with that that last part for sure. Um, I mean, the spoiler cast traditionally has been the books, so when the books need to be touched on, I think we need to go into the books. Yeah, right. And um, it's entirely possible, if not likely, that we'll get the winds of winter before the next season. Yeah, which will blow the lid off all kinds of things. But I think he's right in that it does feel a lot like our season two True Detective coverage in that the beginning part of it was excellent and amazing in just about every way you can think of. Mm-hmm. And then you go into season two of True Detective or non-book land of Game of Thrones and shit starts to fall apart. Uh, and, and I don't... And this thing is like, we have to separate between shit falling apart like, you know, I'm not going to get into it because the 5% of fans that appreciated Arya's plotline were not happy with our dwelling upon it. Right. But... You know, you got to separate the what's essentially bad, you know, storytelling versus just our expectations that were maybe based on yeah. wishful thinking and some some book evidence and things that could be interpreted multiple ways, just not coming true. Like, sure, um, Clegane Bowl, Clegane Bowl. That's a good, a good place. To but start but that's with like that. that's weird because that's a half right prediction. The Hound did come back. The Gravedigger theory was right. essentially true. The add-on theory to that is what is yeah. fucked up. Uh, and then, you know... But that's the like, thing that everybody uh, was hyped about. Sure. Like, R plus L equals J, something that... Can you believe we still haven't got confirmation? Like Of, of, of the Tower of Joy? The, 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 the head saw... of steam we had, like, in yeah. episode three, and we're, like... This is where I think, uh, you know, and I, I didn't read a lot of this, but uh, there's a lot of people... Um, saying that this kind of season has been surprisingly on a treadmill, that uh, there's a lot of apparent okay. motion, but there's not a lot of actually moving the plot forward. There's a lot of stalling, essentially, which I guess seems true, but it's surprising. But I don't you- know. I mean, what if if they only consider plot movement like just stuff directly related to the Wall or Iron Throne? Like, yeah. Then what the fuck? Sure. What do you want? Just. Season yeah, six the character development all. is is valid as well, yeah. but to the extent that like I, even some of that, um, you know, Sansa, like let's 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 posit that Sansa trusts Littlefinger and it goes badly for her. Mm-hmm. That's essentially a treadmill for her because you know we had the oh Sansa's got her Black Raven outfit on and she's going to she's been schooled by Littlefinger and she's going to be the smart and cunning and then she just gets completely waylaid by Ramsay's plotline. Yeah. Then she comes out and oh she's got the dire wolf on her chest and she's you know and she's confident and she's powerful and she's talking her brother into doing things that are are crazy and and then she goes and trusts Littlefinger again like if that comes to pass and I'm not sure exactly how that's going to come to pass or how it's going to work out you could arguably be say that her character development is a bit on a treadmill yeah I mean I don't know treadmill carries a negative connotation to me um, and I guess that's how people mean it but I I guess I don't see so much of a treadmill as I see a, a slow 
Yeah. Some some slow motion here. You know, okay. things are still moving forward. It's not like we're completely standing still. We're we're showing how characters can think they're in a position mm. that they aren't actually in or think they have advantages that they don't actually have and act on that and that gets them in trouble. Is it fair to say that it's a bit inelegant though? Because like if you don't want to say treadmill, because like I don't think it's as bad as like the Walking Dead gets at the time, right. where like Rick literally goes back between we have to trust people, we have to kill everyone, we can only trust it. we have to trust people, car I mean right. you know, I'm gonna far I'm gonna be a gun farmer, I'm gonna be a warlord, and, and I'm then gonna... other characters pick up that torch for him yes. and say the same thing over again and yes. Yeah, right. Yes, it's a real circle jerk. I don't think it's got that bad. So but I do feel like that there could have been streamlining, which makes me wonder what whether the Double Ds are kind of as bummed out as we are that they haven't gotten a new book. Hmm. Like, when they signed up with this deal with George Martin, it's like, hey, da- Dance of Dragons is going to be out, like, next year, which it did. Hmm. And then, you know, Martin was always saying, like, that's this is the real thing. Once I get past Feasts and Dance, it's going to be smooth sailing <laughs> to the end. Yeah. Like, I don't know that they signed up to fucking make shit up. Like yeah. I feel, and that's the thing. Like I've always had the theory that they're legit fans of the source material, and they were jazzed about it. And they went to Martin and said, "We want to adapt your material." I don't think they went to Martin and said, "We want to adapt half your shit," and then wander <laughs> in the wilderness and try to right for know, as much as it sucks for the fans. Imagine yes, their positions because like they really are in an impossible position. Right. I don't know. We're gonna talk about more of that at the end of the show. But I, I and, guess even if like only ten percent of the stuff we speculate comes true. Number one, it seems like that's what's fun to talk about as a fan. And yeah, there's some disappointment, but hopefully when things don't come, you know, the way that you want it to, it's better. Or like it's it's a unique take. It's not some, you know, it's not something that's just disappointing. Um, And I guess you could argue that by speculating, you're setting yourself up for that. But I suppose it does seem like that's what the fandom wants to do. And that's what's fun. And that's essentially what that's the reason I started doing the spoiler podcast almost three years ago because I was getting addicted to that kind of stuff. And in lieu of new information coming out, you know, you try to put this jigsaw puzzle together mm-hmm. and there has been notable successes again. You know, Sandor is alive. Uh, yeah. R plus L equals J looks like it's going to come, come true. Yeah. I'd say it's a lock. At this point. Yeah. If it, I mean, to the point to where if it's not, you start to really wonder what the hell you're doing here. <laughs> right. Uh, so so I, I don't think the wheels have come off of this thing. It's more like my car, where the air conditioning has failed, <laughs> the and it's midsummer. Sure, uh, winter's not coming for a long while. No, uh, no, no. you know, cruise control doesn't work. That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the yeah. wheels are still going. Yeah, I, I think. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like this last episode has really left a sour taste in her mouth because I kind of feel like this is one of the better seasons. But it feels like it got derailed last episode. Now, it could come roaring mm-hmm. back with a really satisfying Battle of the Bastards. It feels and... like it's going to. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't have a lot of expectations for how that goes down. Yeah. So that seems to be it just default a home run for me. Yeah. I mean, I would still think it's on the whole better than last season, which wasn't a terrible season of television. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's kind of our thoughts. Like, you know... We, even if it might get us in trouble, it's fun in the moment to speculate. So it's like chasing a heroin high. You know it's probably never going to be as good as R plus L equals J, but God mm-hmm. damn it, you're going to try. Because when when the stuff comes together, it feels real good.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Um, Scott from Laguna Beach, California says, The hound whipped out his dick and pissed in the river where Catelyn was thrown into. D&D and the hound has literally pissed on the Lady Stoneheart plot. <laughs> that is some top shelf flipping of the middle finger to book readers. And was, dare I say it, worth not getting Lady Stoneheart for. Uh, okay. You know, that's the thing. When he went over to the water's edge, I'm like, holy shit, if he finds the corpse... She's going to reach out like a crocodile and sn- or an alligator and snap him up? Well, I mean, like, it was looking like it was coming. But then it's like, well, but Edmure said he's been in there for years. Like, how the fuck is she still floating in this river? And then when he started just pissing in it, I'm like, I immediately made that connection. Like, Lady what? Stoneheart is being pissed on. Do you think the Double D's intended it as such? I don't. Tell me why the Lady Stoneheart theory is dead. Because you, you because and she's been dead for be... years. Like in the so right, in the books, but what, but... in the books, days after the Red Wedding, Nymeria in uh-huh. a in a war dream that Arya is having, as I believe she's struck blind by in the House of Black and White. Nymeria finds this corpse and like grabs its jaw, its its, its head and its jaws, and drags it out of the river. And then I believe hears like torches and men coming, so she vamoses. Fine. And then Beric Dondarrion sees Catelyn Stark, and for some reason, I'm not even sure why, he decides to give her the kiss of life. She comes back to life in a horrifying fashion, because she's been dead for days. Her face is waterlogged. Yeah. Her face is torn to ribbons where she scratched it. Her, she's got a gash in her throat, etc. And she looks a mess. Um, and then she takes over the... Because there's a power vacuum now at the Brotherhood of Banners, she takes them over and turns them far more cruelly into uh, no longer protecting the small folk, but getting vengeance for uh, on the Boltons and the Freys. So, okay. I guess I don't see how Lady Stoneheart can can survive because she's been dead for years. Like if they brought her back at this point, it'd have to be like a skeleton. But aren't, aren't you assuming that that hasn't already happened? Well, years ago, you're right. In in which case I have to ask, why did we not see her? You know, why is Beric still, I mean, I guess she sent him out to find these fools who were saying, Hey, we're the brotherhood and doing nasty things to, to innocent people. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I think it's still a possibility. I well, don't know why people are proclaiming it dead. Yeah, I, I I guess just because the assumption is that we would see her be brought back to life, I or there would be yeah. a big well, reveal, and this right, would have been a good be... episode to reveal her, and they didn't. Well, they could be setting up that reveal with yeah. like a flashback next episode or something. Uh, well, you're on kind of a track. Um. Because I was going to skip to Dylan's email. It said, after a divisive and terribly written episode of Game of Thrones this past week, there's been much tinfoil and hype slaying. However, I think one tinfoil has survived the D&D onslaught. Lady Stoneheart. Okay, good. Still on the table because, one, in the show, Thuros of Mir is the character that gives the breath of life to Beric, and Martin's razor may dictate that he would also be the one to give rise to Cat to avoid confusion for the TV-only folk, which seems mm-hmm. reasonable. And more importantly, the Brotherhood Without Bar- uh, Banners, Barrick, I believe, specifically states in this episode that the Brotherhood Without Banners have a thing about hanging people. 
They prevent disemboweling or bloodshed and are dead set on hanging limb and company. Who else has an obsession with hanging? Lady Stoneheart, of course. Previous to this, the brother to that banner seemed to settle their gripes with trials by combat and straight-up killing. Why the change of Stoneheart all of a sudden? I believe Lady Stoneheart lives and will be revealed. Thoris is the one to give her life, and she commands the Brotherhood without banners from a secret location. It's possible. I'm yeah. just not capable of the hype that I was aspiring to <laughs> a few weeks ago. Okay. That's fine. Um, but I guess, I, you know, I, I, would I be surprised if she rasps her way onto the screen in the final episode? But I feel like... I feel like I predicted the reveal of Lady Stoneheart at the end of seasons three, four, and five. <laughs> so damn me if I'm going to do it for season six, and it would be hilarious. I mean, because can I predict it? I'll predict it. That's fine. You're, season you're, six, end of season six, Lady Stoneheart reveal. Let the noob predict uh, Lady <laughs> Stoneheart. But I mean, there's so many references to her getting her throat slit by so many characters and so many uh, people talking about her. It does seem like it was building up to that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Caitlin T says, I feel like the double Ds have hyped us all up for fan theories like Cl- the Clegane Bowl and the introduction of Lady Stoneheart only to shut it down this episode. Wait, is this actually Catelyn Tully? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Prove her wrong, I guess. Okay. It looks like it's Caitlyn, not Catelyn. Okay. Um, Pseudonym. Yeah, true. It's a good disguise. Uh, Stoneheart. If... Maiden name and just a slight <laughs> variation on your first. Uh, all seasons, there's been references to Lady Cat- Catelyn, the Red Wedding, the intro to the Hound still being alive, including the Brotherhood of that banner is now, only to show us that, A, Cersei will not, in fact, be able to demand trial by combat, which, when paired with Bran's vision of wildfire, Jamie's comment about Cersei being willing to... Turn cities to ash, which we didn't talk about in the main podcast, oh, yeah. for her children and her much more rumor talk with Kyburn. I really think it means Cersei's going to take the wildfire underneath the city and burn it down. So yeah. she agrees with you. So unless the faith changes the, its mind on the whole uh, trial by combat, which seems unlikely, there's going to be no Clegane Bowl, at least not for Cersei's trial. The Hound's conversation with the brother to that banners made it sound like he would be going north and not south. So what's the purpose of his return if not to defeat his brother? I mean, Here's where I got to pump the brakes because just because we were wrong on the Clegane Bowl and because there was some nice symmetry and that would make certain amount of sense for who the Hound was doesn't mean that that I mean a lot of people have been saying that you know the Clegane Bowl sounds cool but it's actually kind of a betrayal of Sandor's arc like that would make him just as bitter and revenge obsessed yeah. as he was in the first season and everything he's been through has kind to ha, has been trying to show him the futility of vengeance and eye for eye and yeah. and this you know j- just trying to act out with mindless rage, which I was here, but on the other hand, Clegane Bowl. So this is where it's like I don't know that the double D's are actually fucking things up, or even if you want to say Martin is fucking things up, because I don't think that there's any way. If Martin writes it as the Clegane Bowl, that the Double Ds just wouldn't set those, you know, dominoes up and knock them down. Right. So I I feel like that that's just our fan thinking and that it's entirely possible that Sandor as the hero of the wall or the hero of the Bastard Bowl could be just as cool and maybe better from an overall character arc standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ready to get, like... Super pissed about that at this juncture. 
Um, she continues, the brother at Banner mentioned the Lord of Light bringing back Barrick, but made no mention of Lady Stoneheart. It seems Barrick really is their leader, and they find their purpose in whatever reason the Lord of Light has chosen to keep them alive for. If we haven't seen Lady Stoneheart through all this, is there any reason to expect or hope for her at all? I already talked about Dylan's um, email, so yes, there is hope. I'm not, I'm not going to carry that torch. Yeah, I will. I'll let Jim carry it. I'm a fan of zombies, so bring her back. Yeah. Uh, the grotier the better. So yeah. her being dead for a couple of years, no deterrence for you. <laughs> uh, Nick S. This is my take on the Blackfish events from the last night's episode. Either he's a victim of this terrible episode and an otherwise incredible season, or he's still alive. Let's start with the origin of his name. After constant bickering with his older brother, Hoster, for doing things which con- contradicted his duty to his family, which that's their, the Tully's word, duty, family, honor. Uh, he earned the title of Blackfish for becoming... I, I might have screwed up that last one. If so, I'll probably get lumps for it. Uh, he earned the title of Blackfish for becoming the Blackfish of the Tully School. He truly only had great admiration for Catelyn and Liza in his family and eventually moved away with Liza to the Eyrie, not returning to his home until the books events of books season two. He puts the family he's close to instead of the one... Uh, instead of for just purposes of loyalty. After he escaped the Red Wedding, he returned to Riverrun to retake the castle and fly the Stark flag. Not the Tully flag, the Stark flag. Hmm. He kept Rob's rebellion alive because he wanted vengeance for the Red Wedding. He doesn't hide his contempt for Edmure, and he refuses to let him back into Riverrun until the guards open the gate at Edmure's request. So why then would the Blackfish suddenly decide to fight one last battle to the death in the castle that he really hasn't cared about in decades for men who just threw him aside? Poorly established motives? Or an excuse to somehow follow Brienne and find out if this woman he just met is actually telling her the truth and the daughter of his beloved niece is indeed alive. Given the choice between dying in Riverrun during a pointless last stand or going to support family that he cares about to seek revenge, the latter makes so much more sense. The biggest problem is they don't show him die. That's a big omission for a series where time and time again no proof of death usually means a person is still alive. It's also very plausible that a castle full of people who despise the phrase in Lannisters, he found the way to fake his death. The quote from the guard is, we found the blackfish and not we killed the blackfish. Although I will... No, he, he died fighting. He died fighting, my lord, is the, the rest of is that Is the quote. actual quote. And who the fuck is insane enough to lie to Jamie Lannister's face? Especially a Lannister guard. When it's easily provable. Where's his body? Show me his body. Sure. Oh, what? Did I you just eat it? met Did the you... blackfish. He gave he gave me a face full of shit. Uh huh. Uh, show me his body. Like the the concept that this guy lied to Jamie Lannister about the status of the blackfish to me is inconceivable. Uh, finally, if his fate really is a meaningless off screen death, why introduce him at all? Why not Martin Razor him? Um, I mean, I don't because because I don't know that. The Double D's knew enough in season three to make that call. Okay. Like, I really do think that they were thinking like we all were, that the Winds of Winter was two or three seasons away, and by the time they got here, that, you know, Mar- you know, why did Martin introduce him? I mean, what is... Mar- yeah. You know, there's this whole theories about what the Blackfish is off doing. He's rejoined Lady Stoneheart, and he's trying to liber- muster the Riverlands to join this great Northern conspiracy to put Jon Snow on the throne... Uh, or on the the King of the North throne, anyway. Um, but I don't, you know, that that's just speculation, man. Sure, that could be Clegane Bowl hype. Yeah. So, uh, so that's the status of the Blackfish. He's kind of just out he, there doing. So a thing. in in the books, in the books. when Edmure surrendered to Castle, there's eyewitness of reports of the Blackfish jumping into the river, 
and that they left the portculus, uh, port, porticulus, what do they call those? Yeah, you know, the big port, iron bars. Portculus, sure. Those go all the way through the riverbed in the books. Um, in the and and they had put that up like a half just so you could sneak under like three foot above the riverbed. And he's like a good swimmer, et cetera, et cetera. So that a lot of people think that he just escaped to fight another day. Okay. That's interesting. Right. But then there's this whole other grand Northern conspiracy plot about how everybody's conspiring to, uh, uh, everyone who was a Rob supporter is essentially conspiring to put a Stark back in Winterfell Mm -hmm. and, and raise them up as the King of the North again to get epic revenge on the, the, the phrase and the, uh, the Boltons. So that's the thing. Right. And I don't want to argue too much with the idea that maybe like, look, I don't know enough about the blackfish and his history and and story to, to say for sure. Even, even though she lays out some of it there. Um, Mm. I, so maybe you're right about, you know, it makes more Nick. Okay. Sorry. We switched from Catelyn to Nick. (laughs) Uh, maybe you're right about it making a little more sense for his character, but I just can't, I don't see it happening i do think him book, dying in the show and that's the thing if they wanted to show him escaping they could have just shown him escaping he could have gotten a boat with brian he could have been like i've got my own path to follow and not so and then they could have had not had they could have had the soldier report my lord there's been no sighting the blackfish within the castle right or so, if they wanted to leave it ambiguous just don't have the scene where he tells jamie we killed him sure yeah so i i mean it is a bit what the fuck but on the other hand it's kind of consistent with his character as seen on the show and if right. they've gotten updated yeah. notes and the latest copies of the you know in in work version of the winds of winter and his his notes for a dream of spring and maybe they realize that even if he's doing the grand northern conspiracy if they're not going to do lady stoneheart then it's now's the time to just have him go out yeah and someone pointed out that the actor himself is like 71 which might not lend it to too many stunt scenes holy shit yeah he's He's looking pretty good for seventy one. Yeah, not not bad. Jesus. Um, but the, here, the other thing is that you, Barrison Selmy was pretty old too. I don't know if the yeah. actor was that old, but I feel like with stunt coordination today and the fact that they put Cersei's head on a different nude woman's body, right? You can do a lot. Like Christopher Lee didn't do any of his own stunts in any of the star Wars. That was all digital compositing and stunt work. And like, if they wanted to have the blackfish go out in a blaze of glory, the fact that the actor, yeah, (laughs) good point. Good point. Uh, they, they, they could have done it if they wanted to. Yeah. Now that, you know, they don't have unlimited budgets, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I mean, they could have just had, he said he was an old man and I'm probably going to be shit at this. He could have just, you know, taken a swing at him and just gotten stabbed a bunch of times. Mm hmm. Um, you know, the other question is why I guess didn't, if Jamie said to take him alive, why did they let a 71 year old man die in combat? Like just, you know, take your shields and surround him and take a sword from him and put him in chains. And yeah, like I, you don't have to fight him to the death, man. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, if somebody's hell bent on fighting you to the death. Do you think you could stop them? If you I mean, have, a whole army if you have of people, plate probably. armor and and shields, and yeah, I I'd like my chances again. You know, especially <laughs> if Jamie, if you know, as you say, fucking Jamie Lannister told me to take him alive. Yeah, I I'm surprised Jamie didn't get you know wasn't pissed at the guy who gave him the bad news. Like, well, how did you let this happen? Yeah, 
Anyway, uh, Tim S., continuing on. You guys may have already gone over this in the previous episode and missed it, but the ev- with the events happening in the most recent episode and Jamie's ominous statement that Cersei would burn the city to ashes for her children, mm-hmm. would you mind going over and discussing the Mad Queen theory on the show? So this is a theory that I wasn't aware of. I wish I had been, but it was developed about nine months ago on Reddit uh, by a character named Redoubt. And uh, he outlined after, or she, uh, after Cersei's walk of shame, she is broken and hateful at all of the King's Landing. Joffrey and Marcelle are dead. Tommen is going through puberty and losing control of the city. If Cersei loses the Clegane Bowl, that could set her off and make her mission to destroy King's Landing. It's already swung and miss at Clegane Bowl, it seems like. One of the ways she can do this is by using Wildfire. King Aerys, the Mad King, threatened to burn down the city, and Wildfire was his way of doing it. His wildfire bomb didn't go off because Jamie stopped him. With this being said, the bomb is lost in the city. Cersei knows about the wildfire and has a pyromancer produce more of it in seasons two. If Cersei just loses, uh, she just loses it. She has the power to destroy the city, which also fits well into the storyline of Jamie, who's returning back to King's Landing at the end of season five and would be faced with the same situation as he was with the Mad King, only with the woman he loves instead. Yeah. This is also why Daenerys in the House of the Undying walks through the throne room that has just gotten a shit rocked. You know, we've debated about whether that is ash or snow, but it's looking more and more like it'll be ash. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and add that with Christian's email as follows. With the last episode, the Clegane Bull has moved further away. One of the pillars of the Clegane Bull theory was that if the Hound is the Valonqar, the the prophesied by Maggie uh, the, 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 the Frog, or is it Maggie the Witch? Maggie the Frog. Um, that's an old Valerian word for younger brother. Anyway, the Valonqar, the younger brother, Maggie the Frog's prophecy stated that the Valonqar will be Cersei's downfall. Top candidates being the Valonqar were, up to this date, Tyrion, Jaime, and the Hound. Tyrion is an Essos. Jaime states that he loves Cersei, and the Hound is lollygagging with the Brotherhood. Do you think it's time to discuss if the Valonqar may indeed be Tommen, who is also a younger brother to Joffrey and Marcella? Uh, so, the Mad Queen is essentially your theory. Uh, right. But it started being developed about nine months ago on Reddit. Hmm. Um, it does have the appeal of Jamie foreshadowing it with that she'll gladly turn cities to ash yeah. to protect her children. Um, it also has a symmetry where if Jamie returns to King Lane, because he says, as soon as I pacify River Run, yeah. I want to get back to my sister because she needs me. So he could be here for this trial. He could realize what's going on, and he himself could strangle her. Jamie is, of course, yeah. the younger brother. He was born... I think they they said that uh, he was grasping Cersei's heel, <laughs> okay, kind of like an Isaac and slightly Esau younger. moment. Yeah. yeah, so he's slightly younger. He's technically the Valonqar. That would be interesting if Jamie has to essentially put down another toasting of King's Landing. Yeah, but no, we also know that Bran foresaw the fire, and Danny foresaw that the King's Landing was turned to ash. Right, he might be too late. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It is, man. That's really. That's a real bummer for Jamie. Real bummer, bummer city. I mean, could we there. be headed to a situation where everyone in King's Landing of note is dead? Yeah, I don't which, see why not. Which then, and the bastard bull is resolved. We think in John's favor. Mm-hmm. The, would that be enough to unite the kingdom to face the? I mean, that could really maybe yeah. accelerate the White Walker threat. I mean. Then you got Danny coming over. Like, it does feel like that this stuff could converge pretty quickly. Yeah, it feels like it. And with a season and a half of material left, it's going to have to. I'm going to I'm gonna say Danny's still a ways away from Westeros. 
I mean, she's got her own battle to fight here against these slavers. She's got the dragons. She's got the unsullied. Right. She's got the Dothraki. Like, yeah, yeah she... there's some cleanup to be done, but I don't think she fails to hold on to Marine. No, no, no. I, I don't think so either. But like you said, I think there's cleanup. I think it's going to be next season before really? she even heads over. Yeah. Oof. Oof. I... I kind of stand by my thought that, I mean, I don't know. I have to see the last two episodes. They're going to be super long. Yeah. Um, but I stand by my thought of, like, if Danny's not actively, like, stepping on the boat to sail for Westeros as the <laughs> as the as as it fades to black on the season, yeah. I think I'm going to have a problem with that. Because I just don't give a shit about Danny's. I don't know if she's learned how to be a successful ruler, but she's got Tyrion and Varys for that. She's definitely learned how to be a fucking conqueror. Yeah. And she doesn't need any more. She needs ships. But guess what? The Greyjoys are coming. Um, you know, some people said that why would you think that Danny would burn all the wise master's ships when she needs ships to get across to? I'm like, okay, yeah, but they're also belching fire on her city. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how... Yeah, peacefully. And we take. know Yara's coming. I mean, it's that's what I'm she saying. doesn't, but we do, right? So yeah, I, right. You can't have a dragon land and like negotiate. No, <laughs> guys, don't don't yeah. shoot the city like, I, anymore. I, I, I'm gonna have to burn. I get you the fire all thing. I like fire yeah. as much as you. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But uh, I don't know. I to me, I, I still think that they should be able to wrap that up. I don't care about the. I don't care about the battle for Marine. I think it should be a decisive victory. Mm-hmm. All the pieces are in place for me to believe that it'll be a decisive victory. It's like Game of Thrones to like come back next week or, or the finale episode and just have like smoke rolling through the streets of Marine and it's after the battle and Danny's on her dragon and she's putting that yeah. in the last resistance. Like they they tend to skip big battles, especially since it doesn't seem they're going to do that with the Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. What are the odds we're going to get two big budget battles back to back? That'd be a way to one up Hardhome, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and especially since you know, going forward, it seems like the next two seasons are going to be super expensive because it's going to be essentially set piece battle after set piece battle. You would think so. Um, I don't know, uh, but that's that's kind of my thought. Yeah. Um, Brett from Colorado says, "I just want to offer up a piece of tinfoil that maybe the High Sparrow, High Sparrow." will take the throne when Tommen dies. That's why he keeps mentioning the faith and the crown are twin pillars. Perhaps the Sparrow is trying to merge them closer, not to invest the crown with faith, but to invest the faith with the crown. However, this might counter my belief that the High Sparrow is pushing Marjorie on Tommen in order to get a Tommen heir before Tommen's demise. So, there's Mm. a lot to unpack here, and I know I've been dismissive. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago, about the High Sparrow crowning his own ass as king. But, this whole twin pillars of faith, that clearly the High Septon has put into his mouth, and and yeah. Tommen is saying at every opportunity, makes me think that maybe there will be a push to have one pillar, and maybe he does want, like, okay, and, like, maybe he sees his weakness here, that Tommen, as much as he is, as easy as to manipulate, that cuts both ways, that there's situations where Marjorie and, and, and his mother can get in his ear and he would lose the power. Yeah. But if he gets Marjorie pregnant and he's able to essentially keep Marjorie imprisoned for nine months until she gives an heir and the High Septon could raise him as a son, 
maybe that is has appeal to him because that would kind of unify the two pillars and he would essentially be king and there would be no challenge to his power because he'd have the rightful king that he's i mean i could see that yeah it feels like a pretty long-term play for a very unstable situation but you have to have some solution in the long term. And every movie he's made has been to solidify his power. And right. again, Tommen, as easily manipulated as he is, he can be easily manipulated by his wife and his, his mother. So Yeah, and I guess it makes me wonder how stable he views his own position. You know, like, he doesn't know about the wildfire, I'm sure. Uh, I, I take no. that into account when I consider how unstable this whole thing is. I wonder what he would make of the White Walkers. Right. Like if he were confronted yeah. with these abominations, like would he be like, you know what, we need to stop all this shit and and un- un- unify our forces to fight them? Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. And also, what is that? What would that be like when he is, you know, is he going to ally with uh, Danny and the uh, red the red priests? Is he going to ally right. with John and the old gods? Like. Mm-hmm. Or is, Bran, like that's what I'm. Yeah, yeah. Bran would, I guess, would be a, a closer analogy to that. Uh, yeah, it, interesting. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he'll get that opportunity to even consider it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think he's going to. I mean, so what? Who survives the Great Sept of Baylor going up? I don't think anybody does. I think Jamie comes back. The and Cersei- it's just it's everyone's dead because the other thing is is remember cersei was willing to kill her son when she was holed up with the other women during the siege of the the battle of blackwater Blackwater. and she Mm -hmm. she had the poison and she was like i'll protect you my son like it's entirely within her character to kill herself and her child rather than see them taken in captivity some sort of captivity right yeah so like i don't even think that cersei needs to be spared it could just be Like I've got everyone here that I want to kill, and it will it will keep my son from being taken from me. So it's time to pull the plug. That yeah. means like, what does that mean for Marjorie? Marjorie could burn to death. Sure, which kind of makes that rose kind of poignant. Like I got this grandma. Whoosh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kevin goes up. I guess. Uh, old poop pants McGee, whatever yep, his party. name is. Well, there you go. There's the wildfire. He admits wildfire <laughs> just, with methane and just oh man, it's it's purple flame. That's how they make it. Actually, it's just <laughs> it's gasoline it's, and it's, yeah, it's, methane. It's distilled and condensed Picel farts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's let's move on to uh, Kellen from Nova Scotia. Are you guys with me in assuming this Battle of the Bastards is going to have a Lord of the Rings style Battle of Helms Deep type ending? Just when all seems lost for the good guys, Gandalf shows up with an army to save the day. In this case, though, we have Littlefinger showing up the Knights of the Vale to ride in and save the day. Seems like it. Uh, there is... I don't know that it's actually Littlefinger. It might be Robin. But, yeah, mm. that, that's what it feels like to me. Mm. Well, even if it's Robin, Littlefinger is going to be in that mix. Like, Are you, are you going on my theory Maybe? that he she didn't write the Littlefinger, she wrote the Robin? Yeah. Okay. I act... Yeah, that... that that's the one would I would actually be impressed with Sansa if she's yeah. rolling the dice that I can manipulate my horny teenage cousin. Uh huh. A lot of cousin fucking, a lot of sister <laughs> brother fucking in this show. Yep. Uh, it's a different time, a different place. Who are we to judge them with our modern alternate dimensional eyes, Jim? Well, arguably, they're more modern than us. So <laughs> what? If this is Earth, oh, this is Earth, the future oh, Earth, sure then... after nuclear war, yeah. Right. Um, 
the nuclear war swept away our ideas of incest and and continents, continents, <laughs> continental shapes. <laughs> Uh, Emily S. said the preview of this battle of the bastards and the dismayed face of Jon Snow has to be a reaction to a horrific thought or sight. My money is on a flayed Rickon. Jesus. Chopping heads off dire wolves and now we're flaying little boys. Uh, that sounds All about right. right, actually. Yeah, I don't give a shit about Rickon. I don't either. Like, Don't care. Don't care about Shaggy Dog or Rickon. I or... mean, it, to the extent that it gets an emotional reaction from Sansa and Jon and whips them right. up into some kind of frenzy, sure. But yeah, I don't. I mean, he's the little, he's the little shit that was busting nuts at not listening to the maester and, you know, got his wolf killed. Uh, Sam C. said, all right, everyone thinks Littlefinger's going to come to the last minute rescue to save Jon and Sansa, a la Stannis at the Wall, Tywin at the Blackwater, and Gandalf at Helm's Deep. Watch out, Kellen. Shots fired. Um, why? Because he betrayed Sansa by marrying off to his psycho? Why does Littlefinger care about that? And why would Littlefinger finally play the Knights of the Veil vale card, which he's held on to tightly since the War of the Five Kings began, just to support the Starks in the North, which directly goes against the House Bolton? What's the strategic advantage of Littlefinger openly rebelling against the Iron Throne just to be, what, Warden of the North, marrying Sansa? I'm confused. Why would Littlefinger suddenly rebel just for Sansa? Good question. Number one, he could have fallen in love with her. Okay. Which is kind of icky, but again, sister fucking, cousin fucking. Uh, yeah, it's within character. You love Catelyn and that extended to the, her. The little and... finger wants what the little finger wants. Yep. Uh, so he could be, but that's the thing, like riding to her rescue, maybe he gets his hand in marriage. Maybe that beca- he, he at best he gets to be the warden of the north, but... You know, what are you going to do when the Lannisters come calling and saying, like, what the fuck, man? You, this is not your apple cart to turn over. Yeah. So that is, these are all very good questions. Like, I don't know that Littlefinger does anything for love after he got sure. burnt by the cat situation. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I don't know what the percentage is. I don't know where the, the, the profit for for saving her would be. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't know. It's interesting because in this battle, I do think if she wrote to Littlefinger and Littlefinger got the message and has the decision to make, do I support the Boltons or do I support the Starks? Uh, he's got to understand that the Starks have more loyalty in the North. I, I don't know. I mean, at the very least, it comes down to his decision to make, right? Like he can decide who do I trust more? Who am I going to have an easier time manipulating? Is it going to be Ramsey? Is it going to be yeah. uh, John and Sansa? Like, he gets to make that call and choose to support a side. Yeah. And probably turn the battle in that case. I mean, I think sure. his guys could turn the battle for or against the Starks here. Yeah. It, it's already kind of against the Starks, but I think he could overcome the Bolton odds Although if he I, took yeah, all the knights down there. I don't even know if they need it because I I've always thought that... The Northern Lords, at best, are for Boltons because of the things that Robert Glover said. That you know, yeah. Rob wasn't all that great of a king, and the Starks have kind of lost their luster. Mm-hmm. And the Boltons have been, you know, making sure the trains run on time and making sure the castles are owned by the right lords. But if Ramsay wheels out a flayed Rickon just to rub Jon Snow's nose in it, I mm-hmm. don't know how the Lords of the North take that. That's that's. That's exactly what Roos was warning him about. Like, you fucking right. fool. Why? You have victory in your grasp, and now you're going to do something that's going to fracture your own forces. And, you know, we talked about, like, the whole 
uh, Braveheart, Irish, you know, uh, the Irish, uh, yeah. what do you call that? Not recruits, but... Uh, Defection? In, no, but they were impressed soldiers, conscripts. The Irish okay. conscripts yeah, defecting yeah. over to the the, uh, the Braveheart side. Yeah. I think you could see that if, if, if Ramsey does something crazy like that. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, like they're just so disgusted that they're like, God damn it, we're going to have to back this idiot. Do you think they don't know... That they know as little about Ramsey as kind of Littlefinger does here. I know some of them know. Like I think Umber came in and he kind of. Umber seems knew. like the one guy that walked into this with eyes wide open. And then yeah. I guess um, the Carstarks too. Okay, sure. I, I just wonder, like Bannerman, the rest of them, the glove, all the ones that re- essentially rejected him last episode. Yeah. they're at this battle too. And it seems like numerically, if they could get all those smaller houses, that they would have a kind of a parity. Uh-huh. I don't know. And it would be interesting to see Ramsey's own uh, lust for carnage, lust for uh, flaying people, be his undoing. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, Zach K said, I think in episode nine titled Battle of the Bastards, we'll have three bastards in battles. I think we'll see the battle in Marine. I think we'll see Tyrion ride a dragon, confirming him as a bastard of Eris and Danny's half-brother. So this is the whole Tyrion as a secret Targaryen and a dragon oh, okay. rider theory coming back to us. Yeah. Um, that's that. While that could happen, I think that that would still be a spoiler cast take up until they lay the framework for people to draw their. Because I don't know that like a show writer, if they see Tyrion riding a dragon, would be like, "Oh, he must be a fucking Targaryen." Sure, it'd sure. be like, "Well, no." Tyrion drinks, he knows things. He knows how to woo dragons. He's built this relationship with them, so he's going to hop on their back and ride them. Yeah. So I that would be not confirmation. They would need to do other things to 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 get him to where he'd be the full secret Targaryen thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross B said in previews show that the Stark versus Bolton bastards. Uh, so that battle definitely seems like it's going down. And I like what someone said in non spoiler podcast about the Sand Snakes. When I'm thinking of bastards that we haven't seen in a while, my mind settled on King Robert's bastard, the ever rowing Gendry. Okay. I believe we last left Gendry. He was in the Brotherhood of that Banners and with the Hound meeting up with these guys in the previous episode. Oh, see, that's the problem. Uh, he actually was taken from the Brotherhood of Banners by Melisandre to sacrifice, which Davos didn't like. So Davos stole him out of the cells and put him on a rowboat and told him to row to King's Landing. So I that we last left him rowing is is the problem. But do uh-huh. you think that Gendry might show up? I'm not. I'm not going to make any predictions about Gendry. The only thing I thought is interesting about this is that that's a lot of times speculated that if the High Septon wanted to replace a king, he would do it with Robert. You know, it's like in the trial, right? It turns out that this Cersei's like it's not just her confess her confessing to fucking Lancel, but like the Jamie too. Mm-hmm. That that like invalidates the entire royal line, which has the High Septon say, "Oh, we found Robert Baratheon, Baratheon's uh, bastard, and we're going to put him on Iron Throne." I just don't think Gendry would make a good king for the High Septon. Really? Too strong-willed? I, yeah. He's Bobby B's kid, man, and he's seen some right. shit. And he's gone out, and like I think he's he'll have his own fucking ideas of what to do. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think he'd be easily manipulated any more than Robert was. Well, <laughs> uh, not in the same ways that Robert was easily. Uh, Robert was manipulated <laughs> with wine and whores and tournaments and yeah. war hunts and shit like that. He didn't give. He didn't care about being a king. Right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe his son will turn out the same. 
Leela HZ said, I'm in the middle of the 608 non-spoiler podcast, and the subject of Sand Snakes came up as Bastard, but let's not forget that if they battle Tommen, he's a Bastard too, making the battle of Bastards on both sides. Bastards cube. Bastards quad. Oh, my God. It's a, it's a battle royale of Bastards. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's a lot more ba- Bastards battling than I uh, appreciated in the uh, Nonsplayer podcast. Mm-hmm. I think that's all the Bastard plots we have to talk about. Um, JT Milwaukee wants to talk about Varys. So we're guessing Varys is heading to King's Landing to somewhat fulfill his book plot. What are the chances that instead of ganking Kevin with the crossbow, they change the storyline to the High Sparrow? Whoa, the whoa, books, whoa. Kevin okay. is the one who's getting King's Landing back on track. However, in the show, perhaps we will have uh, stability because of the Faith of the Seven, and Sparrow is the key to it. So I think we've talked about this. Maybe not. Uh, maybe? One of the very last scenes we get in A Dance with Dragons uh, is Varys in disguise... Uh, Kevin comes to his quarters and he finds, I believe, Grandmaster Pycelle murdered by the disguised Varys. Mm. And then Varys explaining, he puts a crossbow in his chest and as he's dying, saying, look, it's nothing personal. I always thought you were a great man and that's the problem. You're just too good. You're, you're, you, would, you would possibly bring too much stability and I can't have that for my plans. Hmm. There still needs to be chaos in the realm. But we're really getting some timey-wimey bullshit because that happened... Like, kind of at the same time that Cersei does her walk of shame, like, just after, and she gets the mountain. So, like, we've got this thing that's kind of like a Mobius strip folding in on itself. Uh Uh-huh. So, I don't know that Varys is actually going to do his book plot of of murdering Pycelle and Kevin, because if they just all go up in a big wildfire pod, that's not necessary. Um, and I'm thinking things are already so unstable in King's Landing yeah. that he doesn't really need to meddle in that. Uh, the, what might be happening is uh, some people suggested that he that this is going to tie the Dorn plot back. That huh. Varys is going to be meeting with the Sand Snakes to ch- since they're kind of Targaryen loyalists, or they, okay. you know that they're sympathetic to the cause. Uh, that they might support like you know some military might that that might be like the landing that they kind of start at. Uh, he also might um, talk to Lady Olena because they kind of had some dialogue. He might be just what he says. He's trying to sew up some support. So I don't – again, both of these theories can't be true. Yeah. Uh, if the wildfire may, burns everybody up, then Varys will have no one to kill. If Varys has people to kill, then the wildfire plot didn't go off. So they're kind of like mutually exclusive. Seems like it. And I don't, I don't think that Varys, if he was going to go off the murder, you know – Tyrion's uncle and Grandmaster Pycelle, I don't know why he'd be secretive about that. Yeah. He'd be like, hey, I'm going to go get your uncle, and I'm going to go get that fucker that you wanted to to, to kill anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts, or should we move on? Let's move on. Okay, Mar- Mary C. from Brooklyn says, since Arya is returning to Westeros, is it possible that she will now reunite with Nymeria? I know the books mention that Nymeria is leading a troop of direwolves, but is there any mention as to what area in Westeros she is in? Yes, in fact, uh, Nymeria is leading these rampaging troop of not direwolves, just wolves. She's the she's the boss bitch leading the other wolves uh, in the Riverlands. Uh, I think all Game of Thrones fans would be happy to see Nymeria since most of the wolves are now gone, and Ar- since Arya and Jon are similar to each other, it may provide a nice balance for both of them to still have their wolves. Arya also typically has traveled with someone who is stronger and more capable than she is, i.e. the Hound and Jacken. Nymeria could be the next replacement. I would love to see Nymeria because 
she was dismissed in the first books. She's she's in the shadows and you know doing some warg dreams and pulling out mothers from rivers and killing killing. Uh, there's there's a couple scenes where Arya's dreaming and that I believe that Nymeria is killing some fray troops and Boltons. Um, I that always felt right that they would reunite. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be a crowd pleaser. Yeah. And why I don't essentially agree that Arya's plot is ruined. She's got so many more interesting things to do. Christina T says, I was rewatching episode eight and had a question about the Brienne Jamie scene. When Brienne is explaining why Sansa wants the blackfish, she says it's to help Sansa reclaim her ancestral throne. At this point, Jamie has learned that Sansa is alive and he's also gotten information about what she plans to do and where she'll be. I can't imagine that informing Jamie about Bolton's betrayal would put Sansa at any more risk than she's already in. Let's pause there. Do you agree with that statement? Because my can't first thought... Can't imagine that it... W- what? Can't imagine that it won't? Well, can't imagine that it will? I I don't think we talked about this enough, probably in the non-spoiler podcast, but Jamie, you know, Brian was talking about Jane, uh, Sansa and wanting to retake Winterfell, right. and Jamie kind of wryly observes, well, good for her, but she's still wanted by my sister for the, you know, murder yeah. of blah, blah, blah. Uh... That does seem like it puts her in more danger. Yeah, gives a little too much information away, I think. Yeah, like, I don't know what Jamie does with that, but he's got a, a real conflict of interest between his, his loyalty to Brienne and his love for his sister. Yeah. Now, he could just be like, well, my sister's being a little crazy about this, but I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like that, yes, there is one more baleful glare that's upon her that wasn't on, on, on her, uh, you know, before Brienne opened her big, big mouth. Yeah. Um... Uh, she continues, in fact, I can imagine Cersei asking Jaime to move the army up to the north to straighten out the Boltons, i.e. put another lord in charge. At least there could have been some tactical advantage to letting the Lannisters and Boltons battle it out and then use the Wildlings to clean house. Do you guys have any clear thoughts on this? I don't think Cersei is going to ask Jaime to move up to the north and do shit. Yeah, I don't see it either. Um... Like, if the Boltons mismanage it, maybe once they, if, once, if they get King's Landing under their control... But again, if you go with the funeral pyre theory of of King's Landing, I don't think that Cersei's going to recover from this. Right. I need to really see kind of how the stuff with the High Sparrow plays out before I can make any yeah. predictions beyond that for King's Landing. I know. It's like our ta- our prediction timelines are at odds. There's yeah. not like one clear narrative here. There's competing narratives. Yeah, and I just... I. I can't see. I've got like an event horizon where I just can't see beyond yeah, sure. the wildfire event or or the trial by combat that's not going to happen. You know, yeah. the trial that Cersei's going to have. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't feel super comfortable with with speculating on the intentions of King's Landing after that because I don't know who's going to be in charge. Yeah. Uh, Doug L says I thought it would be worth discussing Arya's possible future based on the Winds of Winter preview chapters released. In it, she's embedded in a theater company, so presumably the show will use them as a vehicle to get to Westeros and potentially around it once there. This might have some cool applications. First, she could learn to use a number of mummers' tricks from them, and not only disguise, but stage illusions, which would add to her bag of tricks. More importantly, the theater troupe is a great cover, allowing her to slip in and out of highly guarded or critical places with the performances. And wear big funny noses, too. Sure. I mean, she's she's faceless. <laughs> she can actually change her face, or she can just put a funny nose on yeah. and a wig. Yeah. So this leads to my theory about what she does. Germ, like Tolkien before him, is a fan of Shakespeare, so I imagine he couldn't help but pull a version of the play scene in Hamlet. Hamlet has a company of actors perform a play about the murder of his father in front of his 
uncle who actually committed the crime. Hamlet watches the uncle's reaction to performance to confirm his suspicion that he was indeed the culprit. Here, Arya would be performing in a play about the murder of Ned Stark, and she could be doing it in front of Cersei and the entire King's Landing elite. It'd be a perfect moment for Arya to both reveal the Tommen's incestuous birth and for Arya to make it, uh, take out Cersei directly. And how to fulfill the prophecy, perhaps because of her small stature, Arya plays the role of Tyrion in the show. Ooh. Uh, so, I okay. like this. Here's the problems with it. Number one, it really smacks against the face of the King's Landing funeral pyre wildfire theory. Sure. Number two, we've already had a full scene of the Globe Theater, a full season of the Globe Theater. Right. And I don't know how much more I want to see of it. It was a cute trick, and it's nice to play within the play. But for them to do this, you know, the the play's the thing, to catch the king kind of thing, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they can make it clear that she's joining up with the troop for the express purpose of getting into King's Landing unnoticed and and exacting revenge, maybe I could go along with it. Like, you know, she picked up something in, in Essos that she can now use in Westeros. Yeah. Maybe. I... But, but, yeah, I don't want to see her just, like, for no real reason, just kind of fall in with a troop of right. actors. And the other thing is... I feel like that the the double D's have given us the wink and the nod to the mercy storyline yeah. by having Arya express interest in being an actress and mm-hmm. and calling her mercy and and I feel like that that's usually when they wink at us like that it's they're they're not gonna do it. Okay. So I that's why I feel like this pissing in the river on you know Cat's forehead is them essentially saying stop it with this lady Stoneheart nonsense. Hmm. Um, I don't know, but yeah, it's a cool idea. I just, again, I'm, I guess I'm really repping this, uh, wildfire theory. There's just too much. It, it, it's the only one that makes sense of what Bran foresaw that acknowledges the foreshadowing of Jamie saying that she'll burn cities to ash and, uh, and it feels like a way out for Cersei, whether she lives or not. Now that the trial by combat is, is, is taken yeah. from her it does feel like and it's also it, it harkens back to the uh blackwater season two where she was ready to murder her children yeah and herself to keep them from facing uh wor- what she considered a worse fate and it truly is an act of desperation right yeah. i mean and one that maybe she doesn't even expect to survive maybe it's just more of an act of spite but she feels more and more backed into a corner there's nowhere she can run now she has to do something insane and drastic, and this could be it. Now, I will. The contra of that is that Cersei at the end in Blackwater was facing a Baratheon army that was convinced that her children were born of incest and they were pretenders to the throne and would probably be killed just from a you can't leave any claimants to the throne left alive theory. Uh-huh. Whereas here, it's much more nakedly selfish. Like, sure. I might be punished and lose my power, but you're probably going to live. But you're not going to live like a Lannister. Like, I guess maybe is that a fate worse than death for her? That if she's killed and she and and he never knows that he's actually a Lannister and he becomes this tool of the High Septon, like, is that what she would consider a fate worse than death? Like, that's not even who he really supposed to be. He's yeah. It's like uh, he's a zombie child at this point. Right, could be. I mean, it's super selfish and narcissistic, but mm-hmm. that's also Cersei Lannister. Yeah. Uh, okay, James P. Uh, there's another little meta conversation. I think this is it for the day. 
he says, could it be that without the actual book to frame the season that the writers are struggling to fill in the gaps? In several episodes this season, the dialogue has been stilted and flat-out bad. Scenes with Tyrion trying to tell jokes or the scenes with the Hound and the Brotherhood hanging lemon cloak. In my opinion, just atrocious writing. In fact, Dinklage <laughs> has been giving nothing but crap to work with this whole season so far. Point being, much of the writing has sucked. And some great stuff that could have been pulled right from the books, including Septon's uh, Maribald's broken man speech, Jamie and the Blackfish, etc., has been left out. I feel like they did justice to Jamie and the Blackfish, honestly. But, and, and you know, they did win a different direction to Septon, but it's, you know, obviously that's a, a, a great piece of literature there. Could it be that the rift between Dave and Dan and Germ has become such that they just want to get this thing done? Could their disappointment at not having another book to work from and his displeasure with them spoiling significant parts of the story before he could get the book out have created a situation where everyone just wants it to be done? Some of the season has felt so rushed and half-assed that it makes me feel like they just want to get it over with. Even the acting performances and attitudes of the actors and interviews seems to indicate that everyone involved has just become a little bit sick of this process and eager to get out from under it. It's too bad for us as fans. We may never get the story completed in the books and the finale on television is starting to feel mailed in. So this is the most pessimistic of the takes I got this week. Yeah, um, and pretty pessimistic. And I do want to. I want to take issue. I, I don't think there's bad blood between the Double Ds and Germ. I feel like there's some just being bummed out all around. Yeah. But and I don't know. I, I can't speak for the Double Ds, but I've gotten to know Germ through his blog and whatnot to, enough to know that he's a pretty thoughtful guy. Yeah. And I think he's aware that this is not the Double Ds' fault. Like. They got contracts. They got deadlines. The show literally must go on. It yeah. cannot stop. It cannot be put on hiatus. Like he understands the realities. He started in television writing. He's still a television writer to this day. Uh-huh. So I don't think there's animosity now. There could be some real disappointment in the Double Ds. I know they've said publicly that we are kind of over this. Yeah, and and Looking I've always forward to doing something new. <laughs> I've always interpreted that as just like that. This is a grind. They never get days off. Like they essentially shoot. They essentially write. Then they shoot. Then they post production. And as soon as the show is over airing, like even before then, this process starts right back up again. Yep. And while they were like kind of fanboys like us, like, oh, man, we're going to get to do Ned's beheading and it's not going to be crazy. And then we're going to get to do the Red Wedding and Blackwater and, oh, my God, Hard Home. I, I bet it is a bit of a bummer to be like, wow, we are now having to kind of do the hard stuff that Martin doesn't want to do. In, and like, hey, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's got the same bullet points we do. And we're going to have to actually fucking do it and film it now. Yeah, and, and the and whole step of the way, the fans are going to be like, "Oh, I bet Martin's going to do it better." I bet that is a huge bummer. Yeah, it probably is, and it—I don't know when I when I think about my life personally, there's nothing that I've really been wholly satisfied with for a decade or longer, right? Sure. I mean, those those monumental undertakings like that just sap you of some of your your enjoyment of the thing by the end of it. So, like, I can see where they're coming from, saying, "Look, we want." We wish we could kind of get out from under this. And maybe they are taking some shortcuts. Um, if that's the case, honestly, I would say bring in some fresh writers maybe toward the end of that. Like I know you can't bring in all fresh writers, but bring in a couple new perspectives and say, hey, maybe they can add some some energy to this. Yeah. Uh, so maybe t- help hold this torch up just a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, we're all getting tired. But I, And maybe they've done that over the years. I, I don't know. 
but I I have heard them say they're kind of over this and would like to move on to something new. So, and honestly, I don't think it's been shit writing. No. I I think there have been moments where I'm like, wow, that was kind of bad. Like the Arya stuff this week. And and I think there's a lot of this disappointment is an overreaction from this week's episode. And a part of this week's episode to to boot. Yeah, and and I do think there have been some sort of clunky scenes with Tyrion and Varys and Grey Worm and Sandy and stuff like that. And Dorne, we know, has been historically not great. Uh, But I don't think it's been of the caliber of a lot of real bad shows on tv oh god no so like to say it's bad i i, I mean, guess i don't actually X-Files agree with that this year right that <laughs> that's shit that's a train wreck right so I, I guess i don't totally agree with the sentiment there but i do understand like some of the frustration with we're we're still on board as fans right yeah more more so than ever in a lot of ways and yeah. to have like the writing not be just getting better and better sure. as we approach these more uh, like climactic and interesting aspects of the show and the books, like that kind of sucks. But I, I feel like that Jamie, the blackfish was perfect. Jamie and Edmure was perfect. Um, yeah. I feel like I was really rewarded on that. And I think the season a whole has been better than I was expecting. Clearly. I was really worried that this would be the year that game of Thrones right. falls off. And I don't think that's going to happen. And I think the next two seasons episodes are going to be exciting enough to be, have everybody be like, what the fuck? And back on board. Yeah, but you know, like I said, it's it is kind of a bummer for any kind of fan you want to be, and for the author and for the double D's, like it's <laughs> it's probably not not great. And and I do think that if you look at the past two seasons, it does feel like that compared to the first four, things have definitely slowed down. Now mm-hmm. they're skillful, and I mean that's maybe if we look at it this way. Like, it's kind of impressive that they've been able to essentially keep the show in stasis for two years and still have it be compelling. Okay. Because, I, you know, it, it could very well be that, like, they could have gone further if they were just going to... Because I think initially they wanted to be done in seven seasons. Now they've got this dragged out to 7.5 seasons... And maybe they decided to, like, well, we're going to invent five or six episodes worth of stuff and kind of put it on. Because maybe George will get the winds of winter and we can go back to adapting him to fanboys. But the other thing is, as I've been saying for, like, five years now, Feast and Dragons is not that great if you compare it to the first three books. Hmm. Like, yes, you can get a greater appreciation and there's a lot more political nuance and blah. But it's not. It definitely lost a sense of urgency and page-turningness of the first two. And, again... I don't really care if you disagree or agree with me. This is my opinion as a legit fan. Sure. They got to feast and couldn't even fucking make it through and started skipping to like, okay, where to an Aria to an Aria. Okay. Here's an Aria. I need to find a Brienne. Like I just, a lot of that shit I, I didn't care about. And mm-hmm. it's not great for me if I'm contemplating a reread to now know when I get to a Doran or an Ariane or a fucking Ario Hota chapter that this is all going to be bullshit. Right. You know, that this is going to really not amount to a hill of beans in the Game of Thrones universe. So, yeah, I think that this there was definitely this giant, you know, the middle is always the hardest part to write. And, uh, you know, the end might be kick ass. But honestly, if you're grading on a curve, I feel like they've done a pretty good job of adapting just unwieldy messes of books hmm. into something that's still coherent and compelling and. And also trying to give George time to f- wrap up the Winds of Winter so they can 
you know, hopefully get get on with it. I'm, you know, that's the other thing. I'm not looking forward to if the wins a winner do, does come out. The ensuing debates about which is better. Oh, of course. You yeah. know, and yeah, that's that's what are you going to do? So, uh, that is the you know. Hopefully, that wasn't s- terribly boring. Um, the the meta commentary in this episode and. Um, that's about all I got to say this week. Uh, obviously, if you got more feedback, you can send it into Game of Thrones at baldmove.com or discuss stuff on the forums where we just got tons of threads all the, all the time talking about uh, theories and whatnot uh, and just how you feel about the show. We'll be back this weekend. Battle of the Bastards, I feel like, is probably going to deliver. I, it has to, right? How can it not? I well, I mean, there's a lot of ways it couldn't, but boy, I don't, I, I don't look forward to hosting the podcast if it doesn't. Sure, so and I guess it depends that. on what you're in it for. I'm in it for some good old fighting. Yeah, some, a good spirited uh, battle. It, is it fair to say that my real sole expectation is something decisive? Yeah, like maybe it ends with. I was, I was talking to someone in email uh, this week about. Uh, Surely they didn't bring John back from the dead and Sansa out of the clutches of Ramsey just to have their heads mounted on pikes. Yeah, at the end of that all would this. shock me. Um, it's it's definitely in Game of Thrones wheelhouse, but uh-huh. it start it's it's again you know what is Martin playing at? What is the arc of his story? If it doesn't start pulling out of despair and futility, then I'm going to start thinking that oh boy, this is just going to be a bad scene altogether. And again, I'm granting that they're going to torch. King's Landing and everyone in it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> can can I get a little glimpse of sunlight? So uh-huh. I I'm wanting something decisive, and if if that means John and Sansa are heads on spikes, fine. If that means that <laughs> Ramsay is utterly beaten and broken, and the house and the North is united behind John, but I don't want something inconclusive. Yeah, I'm with you. So I don't want a Stannis battle where yeah, it's but but okay, what what now what? There was a battle, but yeah, and, and I, there was that was decisive too. But it didn't really—I mean, decisive plot terms. Yeah, I guess it, as long as somebody wins this battle and it's not postponed, that's decisive for the North. I feel like these are kind of the last two forces that are ready to clash up there. Unless you you want to say there's this, you know, uprising in the North that we haven't been privy to yet. Yeah, uh, like there kind of is in the books. Then I guess. That could be an ensuing battle later on, but I mean, whoever wins this kind of has at least temporary for you know for a good long while control of the North now. Yeah. So and we've already seen we've already seen the Starks get their ass kicked you a know, lot of like, times. Yeah, I don't know that that would feel a little bit treadmilly too to have like you know John rising up with the sister and getting all these forces and then it's his start, you know Stark Stark ass getting kicked part three. Yeah. You know, bigger, better, <laughs> bloodier, less skin, more fling. Um, all right, so that's the podcast. We'll be back Sunday night for the instant take. Hopefully it's it's jubilant, it's joyous, it's it's victorious, it's triumphant uh, instant take for Battle of the Bastards. And then, of course, back on the schedule for Tuesday uh, with the full cast and next Friday for the spoiler cast. Till then, have a great weekend. I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See you. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. I uh, want to talk about the club and how you can support us at club.baldmove.com. 
it's easy. You go to that website. Uh, you can see the pitch. You can see the features that you're going to get. Uh, I'll tell you about them briefly now. Uh, ad-free feeds, uh, extra content. We do weekly bonus video shows that we also release as podcasts where people can ask us questions and we give them answers and we just talk about all kinds of different stuff. Sometimes it's television, sometimes it's video games, sometimes it's just life events. Uh, we got Quip, which is a, a, a humorous uh, fictional show where Jim and I pitch ideas for how we want television and movies to be. Uh, there is a video video game playthroughs, like we just got through with the uh, last episode of the, the Game of Thrones Telltale video game playthrough, which uh, people seem to really like. And you can view the first episode of that for free on our YouTube site. Uh, but the the bottom line is it helps us do the things we do here. Like, if you haven't noticed, we've been putting out three podcasts a week on Game of Thrones. When we did, when we were at full-time jobs, we got one out. Uh, and it was out late. To, I mean, so, so the only way we can do what we do and the things that, that, enjoy, that, that, that make people enjoy us is by having uh, the freedom... Uh, financially and time-wise to, to give it the time and attention it deserves. And the way we do that is by uh, by far the biggest avenue of support we get financially is our club sales. We try to keep it reasonable. It's a buck a month if you sign up for a year, two bucks a month if you do it monthly. Um, and, you know, we're not, we're not asking to get rich. We're just asking to get by. Uh, note on that, uh, <laughs> because the traffic has just insanely increased for this game of thrones season like we be at the start of the season uh we doubled our server capacity to prepare for it and what it was smashed like a giant against a cold rolled steel gate uh and then we've we've doubled it and done more performance and we still like the fact is like our our traffic is essentially quintupled over last year side effect of that is on peak times like sunday night and tuesday around podcast release our website cannot process payments it just says no fuck you 404 i'm tired <laughs> so i've seen a lot of people try to like you know they get the itch they want to see the instant cast after a big podcast and they go to sign up on sunday night and they just they it can't get it done so um the early bird gets the worm yeah the early bird gets his credit card process <laughs> saturday's a pretty good day for processing credit cards on our website or wednesdays <laughs> or PayPal mondays payments. just not sunday nights or, or tuesday afternoons um yeah. but unfortunately that's when everybody thinks like oh shit we see it's going live and we want to watch it yeah um we're, we're we're trying to work on this but you know a buck a month only gets you so far and we're <laughs> trying to get the hamster to just 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 run a little bit faster um apologize for anyone i mean i hate it that people want to give us money and sometimes they can't uh but if you go right now the club.ballmove.com Excellent chance that you will get through and get signed up. 